music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week on the show, we are joined by R&B recording artist Afros. We talk about her sophomore album, Roses, what it's like to be an R&B artist in Canada, and what it was like to sing backing vocals for R&B superstars Daniel Caesar and Jesse Reyes. We then chat with our music editor, Sharon Hyland, about how decisions are made when it comes to taking songwriting credit. And a jumping off point for us is a new story about Cher. She says that she should have taken songwriting credit for her massively successful hit song from 1998, Believe. Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show. Super excited to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show, an amazing R&B neo-soul artist from Toronto, Afros, who has a new album out called Roses, also some singles that we're going to talk about, and the fact that she has worked with some amazing recording artists like Daniel Caesar and Jesse Reyes. Afros, welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, Kelly, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you on the program. Cannot wait to jump in and find out all about you. So for people who might not know about you yet, um, tell us how, you know, your career in music started and was it like a childhood dream? Absolutely. A childhood dream started when I was really, really young. All I've always been singing, you know, you can ask my parents um, and, and just decided to make music a career and, and get more into it when I was in high school, I, you know, I took vocal lessons and piano lessons outside of school and then had a high school teacher encourage me to apply to the Humber School of Music, which is a pretty prestigious jazz music school, although now it's more contemporary. And yeah, the rest was history. That's kind of like how I chose to carve out a path for myself musically. Can you explain to us uh, when it comes to your album, your sophomore album, which is called Roses, talk to us why you called it that title. And I understand that your grandma plays an important part in this. Yes. So the title track um, is called Roses and my grandma's name was Rose. And she was a very, very important, special person in my life from childhood into adulthood. And I was very, very close to her. And so the song Roses, which I also named the album um, as well, is, is an homage to her. It's a tribute to her and, and, and all the incredible strength and that she's shown me like throughout my whole entire life. So. I chose to t title it that to honor not only her, but my family and my ancestors. And, and, you know, I get to do music for a living. Like what a dream that is. And, and I just, I hope I'm doing them proud. Speaking of your family, when you were growing up, what type of music was in the house? Like, and do you, and those influences, are they still in the music that you record today? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up listening to a lot of, soul and R&B, soul from like the 60s and 70s. So like Jackson 5, um, Stevie Wonder. I also listened to a lot of country music growing up too. Um, so, so, you know, like some Johnny Cash and some, uh, there was a lot of Patsy Cline that got played in my household growing up. And at the time when I was growing up, like I never thought I was like listening to, I, I knew, you know, I was listening to different genres of music, but it was just what was playing in my household. 
And I think that even even though country and and R&B are kind of like somewhat unrelated song structure or like the the ability to to have like a well-crafted song resonate with someone it's it's true for both of those genres so i think just like good song structure <laughs> was was uh being imprinted from from young and who would be your all-time artist like do you have one there's probably like 15 of them but like who's your top three maybe okay so aretha franklin for sure i absolutely idolize and adore her mariah carey <laughs> i loved her growing up i still do i love her um and the third is it, it's tough because like i feel like i've been i've gone through phases of uh, but, but i'm gonna say oh this is such a tough question kelly why did we do that <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say like Michael Jackson or Prince. They're kind of like tied or Stevie Wonder. Ugh, it's really hard. It's really hard to pick. It's really that's hard fair. Those are all massive influences. That's for sure. And there's nothing wrong with being a Mariah Carey fan because she's amazing. So she's she's amazing. She's Mimi. I love her to death. I like early Mariah Carey was like one of my favorite like just you listen to her voice and you're like how is that even coming out of her body like that is crazy i love her i recently was able to see her when she came through montreal you know with her christmas special where she obviously she does like 10 or 12 of her regular hit songs and i'm so happy because i hadn't seen her since 2009 that was the last time she came here and so it's been a minute. And so just to see her and she's so funny with the crowd, like she's super witty. And then then her immaculate talent, which is just next level bananas. So um, I'm so proud that she's still doing her thing and that she loves her fans. And so I think anybody that's part of the Lamely, it's good times. Exactly. Exactly. She's like she stood the test of time. Like she could go into retirement if she wanted to. But yeah. Owns Christmas, like let's yeah, just, yeah. retire just off that one song. Exactly. <laughs> oh. exactly. I saw that Christmas show last year, so okay, amazing. It was. Um, did you like it? Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> and her kids came out, Monroe and Rock, and like they were just, and the whole band, like her musical director was amazing, and just all of that. So I'm super glad she decided. Like when she decided she was coming to Montreal, I like got tickets immediately. I was like, I because like 14 years was the last time I've seen her. So. So, yeah. Did you see her? Um, was that the Emancipation of Mimi tour? Is that when that you would saw? have been like oh nine? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I saw that that show too, and it was yeah unbelievable. She's so, bananas. I love her. I love her. So I'm glad we we have that in common. Yes. So I wanted to ask you too. Now, um, I've seen you be described as neo soul, which to me means peeps like Erica Badu and Jill Scott and Angie Stone. Um, how do you describe your your sound? So it definitely has my sound definitely has elements of neo soul because I'm I love Jill Scott too. Like I mean, now we're naming, I'm like, why didn't I name Jill Scott? I love Jill Scott. And I love Erica Badu. Um, so I, I tend to fuse a little bit of that like neo soul sound with like the rhythms and stuff like that with 
sort of bigger vocals like from like the 70s disco era you know there's a few songs on the album that kind of has like a throwback to that sound and it's a bit of like 90s early 2000s R&B so it's like a bit like of a mixed bag of those three subgenres of of soul R&B <laughs> that makes all the sense to me yeah, yeah. okay good <laughs> Joining us on the show is Canadian recording artist Afros. Make sure you check out her website, afros.com, for all the details to pick up her social media handles and all the good stuff, including watching a bunch of her music videos. Actually, I have to speak to you about your music videos, including Roses, which made it onto BET Soul, which is absolutely amazing because knowing that you are coming from Canada to get that kind of love in the United States, especially for an up-and-coming artist, um, what does that mean to you? What was that experience like to have your song be premiered on BET Soul? When I when I got the call that it was going to happen, I like I actually was just like, is this a joke? Like, are you serious? Because <sighs> BET meant so much to me growing up. I in my like preteen teenage years. Like I would go home from school in like grade seven and eight and I I would watch BET. I would watch 106 in Park. Like now everyone's gonna know how old I am. <laughs> I'm dating, I'm giving myself away here, but that's that was the tradition. And I would watch, you know, like Rap City. And like, so this channel really shaped me in my formative years musically. And just to know that my video got played on this channel, like blew my mind, blew my mind. It meant everything to me. It meant, it meant everything, <laughs> everything. That's fantastic. I was super proud of you. And to see again, a Canadian artist getting love in the States, you can only go up from here, right? So congratulations on that. Um, I wanted to ask you when it comes to songwriting, how important is it for you to have a hand in that? Oh, I always want to have all the hands, both hands and feet <laughs> in the songwriting process, for sure. Because, you know, that's I, I do consider myself a songwriter first. Um, although I think because I'm known for like, you know, big vocals and stuff like that, I don't know if folks think of me as a songwriter first. Um, I tend to think of myself as like, these are the words and, and music I want to get out there. And I'm the only person that can tell this story from my perspective. So yeah, I, I, I'm very involved in the writing process. Like I either, like with this album, some of the songs I created from sort of the ground up where I was at the keys and I was you know, coming up with chord progressions and and lyrics and melodies. And then the other sort of half of the album is a collaboration with my my um, production friends of uh, Safe Spaceship Music. And we would get together and, and craft a song from the ground up, like with, you know, and I would top line. So writing is huge, like just really important in to me and, and to this project. Talk to us about the recording of the album. What were the biggest challenges and biggest triumphs of that process? Well, a lot of the songs 
were written during the pandemic, uh, like during lockdown. So collaborating with my production team was sometimes tricky. So it took, it just, it just took a longer time, I think. Also, I was a new mom, like in 2020 during like the lockdown, like when the lockdown happened, it was like in March of 2020. And I gave birth in April of 2020. So, so yeah, like I, I, I look back on those last couple of years and I'm like, there was a lot going on. Like, how did an album happen out of this? This is crazy. Um, so the challenges was, yeah, like just being a new mom, postpartum stuff and, and just like finding time to schedule sessions and, and, um, but eventually we got there, <laughs> we got to the finish line. So it's been a labor of love for sure. Talk to us about um, being a new mom and being an artist. Like, obviously, you've been an artist first. You've been an artist longer. Now you're a mom the last few years. How has being a mom um, to a daughter yes. uh, affected you as an artist? Uh, I For the longest time, I, I had been scared to even think about bringing life into this world because I thought I would lose myself and my identity as an artist, as a singer, but I've been pleasantly surprised <laughs> by how much having her in my life has just enhanced my, my life and so, and enriched it and informed my writing informed the way that I see the world. Like, I feel like seeing the world through her eyes and the way she, like with all this wonder and joy, like she's taking in sights and sounds and everything at lightning speed. And she's so joyful about it. And it just like for me as an artist, like I feel like it has kind of reinvigorated me and my spirit um, and has helped me immensely with creating and expressing myself. I, I didn't think it would be that way. I, I, I'm glad to say that I've been surprised. Do you think that now that you are a mom and obviously you've been a mom for a few years now, and as she grows up, do you think that will play a part in some of the music that you produce or are you still just going to be like the person you need to be because that's who you are? Are you asking if I have a children's album dropping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Thank like lights fun. down low album. I don't know. <laughs> afros is for the kids um so i i just think you know like i don't think it has changed me sort of musically and like the kind of music that i i write like i'm still inspired by by the same stuff i'm ins i've always been inspired by um so yeah no i think i think it just hopefully she's just like yeah mom's i think she's she doesn't know anything else like she just knows her mom to be someone that She's like, are you going to work? And I'm like leaving for a gig at 9 p.m. And I'm like, yeah, bye. <laughs> See, you know, that's what she knows. That's her normal. <laughs> so I hope, you know, like, I, I hope she's just kind of like, maybe when she's older and she's got friends, she's like, and, and they're like, your mom doesn't go to work at 9 a.m. <laughs> she's like, no, 9 p.m. Maybe then she'll be like, oh, my mom doesn't have like a normal job. <laughs> 
you'll be the cool mom, at least for part of the teenage years. That's for sure. <sighs> we'll see. I don't know. She gives me so much attitude right now that I'm like, no, nah, I, I don't even think I'll be the cool mom. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, can you give us your opinion on being an R&B artist in Canada? Because Things have gotten better over the last while. We do have more artists, you know, like The Weeknd, for example, like Alessia Cara, who I still think is R&B, but, you know, probably pop R&B. Um, and then, of course, Justin Bieber, like the list goes on. But yeah, what's it been like? Do you think we're headed in the right direction? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. I think like those names that you listed, like they're such important figures not only to Canadian, the Canadian music landscape, but just like on a global scale, they've they've contributed so much to the culture. I find that we're a bit slow to kind of take uh, chances on something different or something new. And I think like a lot of these artists didn't really find their success here. As sad as it makes me, to say that um they they've got their footing elsewhere and a lot of the times it's in the states um i do think we're doing a better job in the canadian music industry of give shining a light on r&b r&b soul hip-hop could it be better yes I, I'm not quite sure what the disconnect is. I think I think in like certain spots like Montreal, like Toronto, like Vancouver, those are areas that, you know, there's a lot of like R&B soul listeners. I just I don't know if if it if I could say the same across the country. Like I I think that's probably what the disconnect is. It's 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 more of um I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble saying this. It's more of, you know, there's uh, more support for other genres, I would say, than than the ones that I'm in. <laughs> and what about because obviously I mentioned, you know, the big guns like Justin Bieber mm -hmm. and The Weeknd and Alessia Cara. Obviously, there's other ones who are also big guns as well, but might not be as widely known like a Jesse Reyes, right. like a Daniel Caesar, again, who have found success in the States also. You know, and I know you've worked with them. So what's your first of all, tell us how that came about to work with both Daniel and Jesse. And then um, what your thoughts are on their success being able to kind of be in Canada and the States. And if you feel a responsibility to keep growing the genre here. OK, so the first part was how did I work get, with Jesse and Daniel? How did I get to work with them? Yeah. Um, so the Daniel Caesar thing happened through a mutual friend who did all the um, background vocal arrangements for the Freudian album. His name is Navon Sinclair and he is fabulous. And I, at the time, was working with him. Like we both taught at, we taught vocals at um, a music studio in downtown Toronto. And then he started working with Daniel and then Daniel just like took off, like his career just erupted. And then he had this uh, five show run at Danforth Music Hall in 
I think it was 2017. And that's how that happened. Like they needed like a 10 person, all women choir. And, and he's like, Joe, well, my, my name is Joanna. And he, my, my government name is Joanna for all of those that want to know. Um, <laughs> he, he had me on board and, and that's how that happened. And then like the music director for Daniel Caesar at the time, was also the music director of Jesse. And it's just like, it's one of those things that you're just like, when you're kind of in the mix of things, like people remember you, you did a good job doing this backup thing. You're reliable, you're professional. You get a call to do the next thing. And that's how that happened. And I I think what they're both doing with their careers is phenomenal. Like I, two of my friends play in Jesse's band and Jessie is just like dominating like she's just she's touring the world like she's got so many fans out like outside of North America even like and she's and and she's just killing it and I look at her and I and she inspires me to just the moon because she's such a real person like I even working with her like I've never felt kind of like I had to be anyone but myself like I I, she's just so real and so grounded and and um yeah like I I think what they're doing is is just like super inspiring for someone like myself coming up as as an artist in a genre (laughs) such as R&B in Canada um I hope to get to that point at some point we'll see I don't know um i hope to follow in some footsteps there for sure and do you think there are other artists such as yourself in toronto and and obviously in canada at large that feel um i don't know what the word would be responsibility to try to help grow the genre in our own country like do you feel like you're gonna have to move to los angeles or new york or something at some point um i like i really i really hate that that is the norm that like I've heard that story. I have friends that are that live in LA and they, you know, they're from here and I want to try to grow the genre here. A lot, I have a lot of roots here. Like I'm a Toronto girl through and through. Not even Toronto, like I'm from Scarborough. I feel like such a connection to the place that raised me that it would be like weird for me to move elsewhere to pursue music. I don't want to do that. I really don't because I'm I'm also old and tired and and it's just <laughs> I really just don't, don't want to. But um, you know, like if it came to that like yes, maybe I'd entertain that thought. I do feel a responsibility to bring the awareness and and help grow this genre here so that people stay here so that we become known not only as like, you know, because we do have so many amazing artists that are Canadian. Um, so that we're known like, you know, not only for for having these like big superstar names, but for fostering that talent and supporting that talent from like, you know, the infancy stage, not only when they're like, they've already blown up kind of thing. Agreed. 
I need to ask you about who is on your bucket list to collaborate with as an artist and producer. Ooh, well, I've been kind of like putting feelers out to this person and he seems to be down to do it. But uh, Junior T, who is uh, he's a DJ producer and he did a lot of work with like Jesse Reyes and he does he does work with other um, artists as well, like Story and, and Faza. Uh, I want to do like a remix EP with him. So that's kind of like a bucket list thing that I think might be a reality. <laughs> and as we march, you know, into the new year, uh, will you be doing any dates, any touring? Like, is there any way people across the country will be able to see you? That is in the works for sure. Cause I want to, you know, I dropped the album kind of late into this, into 2023. So the plan is to support the album through touring and, and festivals and summer dates and things like that. So, you know, just stay plugged in and I'll be keeping you updated for sure. And do you have anything that you have sort of manifested for yourself or you're trying to manifest for the next six months to a year? Like what can we expect from you apart from like touring? Um, yeah, I mean, like touring has been like the number one thing that like, I really, really, really want to do. But other than that, like, I definitely want to start working on new music again, just because that's who I am. Like, you know, the post release stuff is is great, but it's like, it doesn't use my brain in the way that I am used to like with it, the creativity uh, phase of things is like my favorite place to be. Um, so I, I've definitely, I definitely want to get back into the studio and start writing again and seeing what I come up with. Before I let you go, I have a couple of, uh, I like to call them fast fact questions for your fans and people who are trying to learn about you. So um, what is your favorite activity that you use to procrastinate? Oh, um, I watch a lot of Real Housewives. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. <laughs> That's the truth. I would be lying if I said anything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Um, what is always in your fridge? Ooh, um, mm, there's always there's always jam. Oh, there's always cheese of some sort. I love cheese. Yeah, I agree. Me too. Most people don't like to do errands, but is there one that you actually don't mind doing? Oh, I actually, I don't. Okay. So I like doing laundry and folding, like folding the laundry, but I don't like putting it away. <laughs> it, it takes like five to seven, five to, what is it? Three to five business days <laughs> to get put away. <laughs> So I'll like neatly put it into like a basket and then like, it'll just stay there <laughs> and I'll go in and like take things out of it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. Weird that way. Because it's funny. Like I find people either do the laundry and then just shove it in drawers. But usually if they fold it, I feel like they will put it away because they put the effort into the folding. Right. <laughs> See, because I fold, I fold while I'm watching uh, housewives. Right. So I'm in my zone. I'm doing the thing. And then I'm just like, I don't want to put this away. Let someone else do it. <laughs> this is perfect. Oh my God. Um, 
what TV show from like your childhood or teenage years like means the most to you? Ooh. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna, cause this is like rapid questions. Like I feel like I gotta, mm, means the most to me. So I can't like, I can't give you uh, trashy ones. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. This wasn't even like a childhood. This wasn't geared towards children, but I watched it with my grandma. So it means a lot. And I love Golden Girls. Amazing. (laughs) I have all the DVDs. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love, I, that show, I didn't understand it when I was little, but my grandma loved it and I would watch it with her. But like rewatching it as an adult and like these ladies, like it's so ahead of its time. A million percent. And it's still like, if you watch it, it's still relevant. Like it's still, it's amazing. No, I, I, we're like soul sisters here. I know. I love this. You tell me you're a fan of Janet Jackson, then the deal is sealed. So. Favorite Janet Jackson? I love Janet Jackson. Oh my gosh. She's, she's great. I love, okay. I really like the stuff off the, um, Demita Joe album. Yeah, 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was, that's impressive. A little, yeah, it's a little, it's a little. And little. I love like, that's the way love goes. Like, this is one of my favorite. I, I don't know. I, I, I love her. I think she's, I'm not a super fan, but I respect her. And I like, man, again, someone that, whose career has just like. Have you done one of her concerts? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh. You have to, and then you will become a super fan. I know. I should. I really should. When yeah. she was here last time, I should have gone. I should have. Yeah, so I had the stomach flu the day before she was no. there with me, and I still made the five-hour drive to Toronto to see her this past May because oh that's God. how much I love her. And she won't come to Montreal anymore, so I just go to Toronto or Boston. I make the drive. So. Oh my God! Uh, I would love to see her. I yeah, I think I've seen her now somewhere between like 12 and 15 times. I'd have to do the math again, but yeah. I have friends and colleagues that are like so obsessed with her. So like, I, I get it. Like I get the, the yeah. love. Yeah. Well, if you love Mariah Carey, like you love Mariah Carey, then that's how I feel about Janet. So it's good. What pop star or R&B star would you, or even rock star, would you love to switch places with for one day? Tell me who it is and why. Oh, just to see how their life kind of goes, like not to be them, but just kind of see how there it is for a day. Oh, like Queen B, like Beyonce, one hundred percent. Like, is she even human? Like, I don't. <laughs> she's so perfect. Like, I'm just man. She is, yeah. She's incredible. She's incredible. You know what's interesting about her too is how how everybody you know, because um, she I find is is. You know, she came up in the old school, but then was on that cusp of, of the new school, right? So I find she still takes the old school vibe of keeping things a mystery yes. as opposed to putting everything online like everybody's doing these days. Like she doesn't need to do anything. She just, oh, I'm dropping an album. And then she drops it that night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like There's no build up. There's no, it's just boom, here it is. Then boom, I'm going on tour. Like she's just, <laughs> she's amazing. Um, she's amazing. Last thing before I let you go, what message would you like to put out to your fans? I have been blown away by the support for this new music 
and and even people discovering the music from like the previous albums just like globally so like thank you so much each and every single one of you thank you for listening and like supporting me i'm 100 indie like 100 independent artist that kind of support means everything to me so just thank you like thank you thank you <laughs> we appreciate you very much so make sure to follow afros check out her website afros.com to grab all of her social media handles and yes for sure to check out her music listen anytime any place just a click away kellyalexandershow.com Always happy to welcome back to the Kelly Alexander Show, our music editor, Sharon Highland. Hello, Sharon. Uh, hi, Kel. I'm always happy to be here. Great, because I think the running tab now is 98 shows in a row. So it's great. Yeah. But as you are a music editor, it makes sense. Do I get um, a holiday bonus? Exactly. And so <laughs> I saw this article, which I then passed on to you, and, and, and I find it very intriguing in the fact that Cher was recently being interviewed, um, and they talked about her hit song from 1998, Believe. Yeah. And uh, it came back around to her, like the songwriting of that particular song and how she chose not to ask for a writing credit on that song. And she's like, what a mistake. No kidding. Because they could have, you know, they obviously did make a gajillion dollars, probably the writers of that. Um, So, so many questions that I have for you on this. First of all, uh, I know you, I think you're a fan of Cher, like a long-term fan of Cher. Yeah, So what's your take on her as a songwriter to begin with? Does she ever write songs? Well, she wasn't known as the primary songwriter, certainly when she began. Um, but I'm I'm surprised by what we know about Cher that she didn't ask for a songwriting credit. I find I found that the most one of the most surprising things about this article, um, being that I mean she she calls herself well, I was so stupid, you know, that I didn't push. Not like she didn't didn't even ask like and she's the one that says there's like 30 people that get songwriting credit on this on believe so why wouldn't she have just said uh yeah and she talks about how the the particular line that she brought back to make the song a little bit better as in you know to deliver uh because she was sent back and with them saying you know you've got to sing it better (laughs) imagine that like come on yeah i can't imagine saying that to share well no kidding at that point she'd already had you know over 30 years of um of credibility credibility ability Mm -hmm. um experience yeah uh a little bit of knowledge behind the mic you know so a collective of uh 30 people writing a song none of the names are familiar to my eyes and it was a quick glance and it, whether or not that uh, reflects, uh, you know, my knowledge or not, I sort of think if I don't know your names a little bit, maybe your work doesn't speak for itself as much as shares does, you know? Um, what's interesting to me is like, well, there's many parts of this that are interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, this was obviously a song from 1998. So all the way back in 1998, you know, which is whatever, 25 something years ago or whatever it is. Now, almost, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, there was still a fair amount, at least on, I would say, hit pop songs where you do have several writers putting mm-hmm. this together. And that is definitely the case today. Like you would be hard pressed to find a top 40 
song on the yes. Billboard Hot 100 chart that is not written by 97 people. Right. You know, like it's just that's the way it is. And, and that's why it's been it gets made such a big deal when someone's a singer songwriter. Oh, yeah. you write your own songs. Like it's possible, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've been doing it for decades. Yeah. And in a scenario like that for believe where there's a a, you know, a list of people that have contributed, you know that they're like, yeah, yeah, I wrote that part. Yeah, yeah, put my name on the list. So it's interesting that she didn't. And then what would be your thoughts if you were a songwriter, Sharon, and or an artist, and like you were in a writing room, a writing session, and like there's 20 of you? Because the writing share then is like divided, 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 mm-hmm. divided down. You know, it's crazy. I think in, and think in that case, those people are hungry, you know, and they're maybe a little bit scrappier to make sure that they get their piece of it. Mm-hmm. And and I appreciate the crafting of a great pop song, but let's go to, oh, I don't know, Mariah Carey. Does she need a, a collective or a council of people to help her write a song? Sometimes you just have it. Yeah. And you don't have to be scrappy about, you know, your minor contributions. Because I and, think... He- Sir, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't think that there's, I'm not intending any disrespect to a collective that writes a hit song because Mm -hmm. for certain elements of popular music, there is, it is a scientific result, right? Like it's an actual formula and and it hits us as humans in a place where like, oh, that's familiar. I like that. Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, if that takes a big collective, fine, but. I don't know, like for at this point, for 25 years later, they should just give Cher a writing credit and they should have already. I think she was just saying it too in conversation. So I'm not sure that she's she's ever fought for it. And maybe at this point in her life, she's realizing, you know, she's doing like a checklist of, uh, you know, if you're happy or, you know, uh, regrets or that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But it's I find that frustrating. Yeah, because your are my perception of hers. Her personality is strong, and uh, you know, wouldn't take that from anybody, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you have your moment where you're like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, you know, and millions of dollars later, you're like, maybe I should have pushed. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that you know, um, being a songwriter is very hard and especially to be successful and um that's why too like when there is you know 10 or 9 or 8 or 15 people writing a song you are fighting for table scraps especially if it doesn't hit top 40 because you're hoping to make money off of you know plays and and all that stuff but um i know that there's a another podcast that i listened to i haven't listened to it recently but i remember and i told you about this one and the writer is yes writer like songwriters are talking to one another and um it's fascinating to hear like just how much effort has to go into staying afloat yeah and even getting a publishing deal and i know that um the host of that podcast whose name is escaping me right now which i hate but uh uh, what is it's oh my god It'll, it'll come to me but i know that he is on like i think a board uh where they keep trying to um make life better for songwriters that oh, they're cool. getting fair compensation that they're getting the recognition 
you know, because I think too, like even at certain award shows, you know, it's the artist that gets up there, but you know, for best song or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean they wrote it, you know? And so it really needs to be that the songwriters get, um, their, their due. Uh, I agree with you. And, um, it is tough to stay afloat. I think if you have a big collective of people doing it because you're, your share of the pie becomes smaller. So then you, you'd be like, Oh, I got to have it. We have to do another one. Mm-hmm. Let's another one right now. And the person that you're looking for, by the way, is Ross Golan. Yes. That's the one. That's the one. And I, I really appreciate that he is pushing, you know, I think them for, for even the songwriters to be um, more of a community. I like for, first of all, they are a community in Los Angeles. There's no question. There's a community in, Los, in Nashville, community yeah. in New York. Um, I think Toronto now is headed in that direction also. Um, but I think it's really important that he's pushing for there, there to be really a collective to make sure that people are getting compensated and acknowledged um, for their work. Because yeah, I think a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes of it all and songwriters are definitely you know they're putting the songs up that we love to listen to especially when it comes to top 40 pop radio so agreed do you have a favorite songwriter here oh boy uh favorite songwriter oh my goodness Uh, well i you know what easy go-to would be mariah because she's she's so like uh, we've seen her recently so the material's fresh right Mm -hmm. and then we did like a you can't help but you see you know a concert and you go back and you just listen to everything from that person and she's she's just been so consistently relatable for gosh more than 30 years now that uh she'd be on top of the list i I go older too lenny kravitz i think is very good mm-hmm. um pink yeah uh, i think any there's would be a long list my favorite songwriter i'm not even sure if i have a favorite I, my favorite band is the Beach Boys, so I would have to credit Brian Wilson. Um, but I think that there's such skill in in writing lyrics and music that match. Yes, that, that create um, like a mood, block uh, on a heartstring, attached to an experience or a memory. It's it's such a neat thing that I really wish I could do it. What I find fascinating too is, you know, especially a lot of writers that are very good at twisting words around, you know, to make, like, it's, it's crazy how some people, some people are capable of turning a word and then it just like, and you're like, how did they know to put that there? And it's such a simple word or it's such a simple few words together. And you're like, how did they know that that was going to work? And that's where I'm, I'm like mind blown, you know? Yeah. That is really cool because I mean, it's not like there, it's not another language technically mm-hmm. so it's words we all have access to but somehow and i think it, it i think it is moment dependent too that it hits you and like at a certain time in your day in your life whatever we're like oh my gosh are they singing to me how, how it's it's like the stars align and it all it all comes together and i think that has to do with the universe and your skill as an artist and putting it out there and it all falling into place perfectly mm-hmm. a, a line that i'm hoping not to butcher right now because i'm pretty sure this is lyric and it's funny because it came to me just the other day and i remember thinking whoever wrote this line was just genius so justin bieber has a song out i think it's like a year or two old now called ghosts we played a lot on the station i work for virgin radio mm-hmm. have you you've listened to it obviously sharon ghosts I think so yeah yeah so like i think his the, the first line of the song or it's like first or second he goes um young blood thinks there's always tomorrow yeah what a great line 
Like, yeah. it's just, and then you're like, how, how? <laughs> like, you know, cause it's again, simple words, but you're just like, you wouldn't think about calling someone young, young blood, exactly. but it makes all the sense. And it just, it brings that whole song to next level. And when you think of a, a line like that, it's really only a couple of steps away from your parents getting mad at you. Yeah. You know? Who do you think you are acting like this? You know, yeah. <laughs> that line's not going to fly as as well as young blood thinks there's always a tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> and, and and when you brought up Mariah Carey too, um, I remember thinking at the time. I think it was 2005, 2006. I think it's 2005 when We Belong Together came out. Yep. And if you that song was massive, massive for her. And it was also massive in the way that like, I don't think she'd had a hit in a while, not like a while, a while, but like long enough where it was like, Oh, like, boom, here I am again, people. Yeah. And I remember hearing that song and, and, you know, listening to the lyrics. And again, it's simple. They're simple. The chorus is simple, but it's like bananas and it's so catchy. And that's why it was on the charts for God knows how long. Who am I going to lean on when the times get rough? what that's yeah plain yeah you know, who's gonna stay on the phone until the sun comes up like i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> i still think we were supposed to write a song you and i for crystal waters and cc pennison so we might want to yeah god back to the drawing board man <laughs> <laughs> keep it simple exactly uh sharon highland thank you for this Hey, thanks, Cal. That is our music director or music editor, I should say, Sharon Highland. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at the Sharon Highland. And of course, check out our podcast that we co-host together, 90s Now FM. The Kelly Alexander Show. There you have it. Another episode of The Kelly Alexander Show. And a big shout out to our guests, Afros and Sharon Highland. And of course, a big thank you to our super producer, Andrew Sabino, for doing such a wonderful job putting the show together. And thank you again for spending time with us. And please grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. And we would love for you to leave a review, whether you're listening to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.